welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, this week we have the great pleasure of talking with Maximilian Uriate, uh, the author of uh, The White Duck Donkey, Terminal Lance, uh, a really extraordinary new graphic novel just released by Little Brown today uh, that really, I mean, it really is a window into the experience of a U.S. Marine. Um, uh, he is a, a former Marine at this point, um, uh, two terms, uh, two tours of, of, of Iraq. Yes. Um, uh, he's an animator now, or you have a B.A. in animation from uh, College, of, um, uh, College of Art in California. And um, he's a kick-ass graphic novelist. So, um, yeah, Maximilian, if I may call you Max, I don't know if I may or not. What do you prefer? Oh, you're more than welcome. Max, to call me uh, uh, Max, welcome to More to Come. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, well, you know, I gave a, a little short, uh, you know, intro a bio of you, uh, but your your background is is pretty interesting. Um, uh, uh, you bring to mind, if I may, uh, compare you just for a moment to Bill Maudlin, the the, the famous uh, World War II cartoonist. He was an enlisted soldier and a cartoonist. Um, and, and but tell us a little bit about your background, um, you know, as a Marine, and and then we'll segue from that into your cartooning as well. Um, yeah, I you know I've actually heard the uh, Bill Malden comparison before, uh-huh. uh, and I'm I'm very humbled that people would consider me in the same light. Um, and uh, so I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2006 mm-hmm. uh, at the age of 19, and um, I I've been in it. I mean, I there's like cartoonists and. Uh, uh, but, Hey, how you doing? You know what? We're having some problems here. Are you still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. You know what? The whole thing was freezing up there. I don't know. Was it doing it on your end or just on mine? No? Oh, I mean, your video was is chopping in and out a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let me just check what network I'm on here. All right. I'm on the right network. Well, I'll tell you what. Just start up from where you did. Okay. Uh and we'll, we'll hope for the best. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I'm so I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps uh, in 2006 at the age of 19, um, and I enlisted out of Portland, Oregon. I grew up in Corvallis, Oregon, and, mm-hmm. and lived in Oregon my whole life. And then, uh, so I enlisted because I wanted to go to Iraq. Really, was sort of the the primary reason behind it. Um, you because, wanted to go. Yeah, I. So I guess like. For me, it's really weird. Uh, <laughs> but as an artist, I guess, you know, like mm-hmm. most artists, I had that kind of tortured existence of trying to find meaning in the world in my life. And uh, <laughs> I was like, what's the most awful thing I can think of doing right now? And the war <laughs> in Iraq was going on. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to, what's the quickest way I can get to Iraq right now? And that was to join the Marine Corps Infantry. Uh, I was the right age, it was mm-hmm. the right time. And uh, I just decided to to do it, and nobody was expecting me to do that because it was like I've always been just an artist my whole life. It was mm-hmm. never uh, I'm not like a football player or anything like that. Um, so for me to just like get up and join the Marine Corps was like a really weird <laughs> that's, sort of that's segue. That's pretty impressive. I mean, you have us. There's a, 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 we're going to talk about this because obviously it, it started as a web comic, um, um, a Terminal Lance, but there's a there's a there's a section in there where uh, you're talking about. I've got the reasons people give for joining the Marines, and it usually hovers around the phrase, fuck it, I'm going to join the Marines, <laughs> or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, eventually everybody comes to the same conclusion before they join the Marine Corps, right. and they eventually all say, fuck it, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Okay, <laughs> okay. So that all was right. me uh, in 2006. That was me going, fuck it, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Right. Uh, and and uh, you've done so, it. <laughs> and I did it. Uh, yeah, so in... In 2007, I went to Iraq uh, the first time, and that was from 07, 08. Um, I think it was in, like, July of 07, and we were there till like, February of 08, I think. Um, and then in 2009, I went back to Iraq, uh, and that time was... So the first time I went, I was actually um, a just infantry uh, turret gunner uh, behind the 50 cal on an MRAP. And then uh, the second time that I went... 
was a lot different because I was billeted as a combat photographer and artist. So I was traveling all over the country taking yeah. photo. And now, had uh, you trained to be an artist uh, in the Marine Corps? No, I, I was I'm infantry. I mean, I, yeah. I, mm. I was an infantryman. So, I mean, I, I had no formal training from the Marine Corps. Uh, I was an artist before I joined the Marine Corps. Uh-huh. I, you know, I took my practice of sketching and drawing and painting really seriously uh, prior to that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was going into the Marine Corps as an artist. Uh-huh. And uh, photography, I actually learned in the Marine Corps um, through basically they handed me a camera and they're like, you're going to be a photographer. And okay. I was like, oh, okay. Well, 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 that was going to be my next question. I mean, how, yeah, how does one become an artist in the Marines? I mean, yeah. uh, do they just decide you're going to be one? Or, I mean, obviously you have to have some facility. Yeah, so um, there's there's sort of a story behind it. I had uh, in in the Marine Corps we do this thing called a cruise book um, when you're when you're like in Iraq or something or you're on a deployment. Um, you it's like a yearbook for the mm-hmm. deployment, and everybody gets one. And well, you have to buy it. It's like twenty bucks or something. Yeah. But like um, somebody has to put that book together. So um, my first deployment. It somehow got around that I was a good artist and could use Photoshop and et cetera. Uh-huh. So uh, I actually organized the cruise book for my uh, my company, and then that word got out in the battalion, um, and the battalion commander knew that I had an interest in photography and stuff. So he asked me personally. He's like, "Hey, do you want to be a com cam, uh, combat photographer, artist guy?" And I was like, "Sure, sure, why not?" <laughs> yeah. So uh, hey, that's yeah. why you joined the Marines. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, the second deployment, I, I was attached to uh, our battalion's ComCam uh, attachment. So I was, I was still infantry. My MOS was still 0351. Uh, now, I'm going to have to stop you to get you to, to break down some of the uh, the military <laughs> abbreviations because I mean, White Donkey and Lance Terminal are, are, are the Terminal Lance are full of them. Uh, and, it's, <laughs> and I love the way you you you. There's a little essay with each of the uh, web comics about like okay, uh, but you are you serve under an MRAP. Can you can you MRAP? Yeah. So, tell our listeners what an MRAP is. Yes, uh, an MRAP is an acronym for Mine Resistant Ambush Protected Vehicle, and uh, it is basically a giant Chevy Suburban that's armored and has a okay. turret. Okay, that and, breaks uh, it down nicely. Now, yeah. what's uh, what's the MOS? Uh, so MOS is Military Occupational Specialty, and um, that's your job, basically. Your the, jo- okay. All right. Military. Great. And we're, every we're, I'm going to throw some of these at you as we go <laughs> along, because uh, that that's one of the one of the other charms of reading the uh, um, White Donkey and uh, the webcomic uh, is uh, military jargon. <laughs> or Marine you know, Corps jargon, yeah. I should say. And I, I feel like that's – I've always tried to maintain that and not get to um, – I don't like to break it down too much because I feel like if you are interested in it and if you enjoy what you're reading, you're going to go look for it on your own yeah, sure. uh, accord. So I feel like um, to maintain that authenticity of, of the, the military environment, I like to keep that stuff in there. Uh, but um, yeah, so I was uh, in 0351. So every every branch has a different numbering system or a different okay. classification system. Uh, in the Marine Corps, any job that starts with 03 uh-huh. or 03 uh, is infantry. And then 51 is sort of the subspecialty of that. Um, and so you could be an 0311, 0321, 0331, 41, 51. Uh, 51, which is what I was, is, uh, is called an assaultman. And we shoot uh-huh. rockets. It, the rockets are sort of the specialty of it. And we use demolition. Okay. Uh, so we're trained in explosives and C4 and, and you know that kind of. Stuff. All that stuff we hear about, yes. Yeah, so uh, it's it's considered like I mean I don't want to like it's considered sort of like the smart guys of the infantry because okay. we have, we have to do a lot of algebra to figure out um, explosive calculations and stuff mm-hmm. to figure out how far away you can stand from a blast and stuff. Um, so that was my MOS officially, okay. and uh, I got billeted as a combat photographer. So I, my my MOS never actually changed, and uh-huh. so I never went to the school or anything like that. Um, they handed me a camera. And uh, so just one more. They just give you another job. That's all. You know, <laughs> another duty rather. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they handed me a Canon 1D and they're like, you're going to be a photographer now. And uh, so I was like, OK, I guess I should figure out how to use this thing. There you go. <laughs> so um, we got stuck in Ramadi in 2009. I got stuck in Ramadi. I got stuck in Ramadi on a mission uh, that kept getting delayed. And because um, there were sandstorms every day and every day we were supposed to go out. It was a body recovery mission and okay. uh, kept getting delayed. Um so, but it was, it was a night mission. So we, we had to keep a night schedule just in case we were going to go out at any minute or whatever. 
So I had to stay up all night, every night for like two weeks. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So I'd go to the rec center and I'd, I'd get on the computer and I would just Google uh, camera knowledge. And oh, I just go. <laughs> I taught myself uh, how to use a DSLR via Google. And <laughs> well, one of the things I, I know you talk about on the on the, on the web comic, and I guess to some extent in, in The White Donkey, is uh, the incredible boredom. Uh, uh, American <laughs> military and Marine Corps spent a lot of time, you know, Jerking around with nothing to do. I mean, important <laughs> duties, but um, sort of hurry up and wait. Yeah, hurry up and wait is uh, is the story of the Marine Corps. You yeah, know? yeah. And ready for anything, and a lot of the time there's not anything. <laughs> so what about the drawing? Okay, you're talking about the, the camera. What about your drawing? Well, so drawing is, is you know, an art that I had practiced uh, my whole life, really, since I was mm-hmm. three years old. I remember drawing. I was always the kid in class that would be sitting there drawing on, you know, on paper and uh, when I, so I actually dropped out of high school, um, and got my, my GED or my good enough degree as I like to call it. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was able to, uh, so you dropped out of high school. I did. Yeah, yeah. I got my GED, uh, went to, to Portland community college for a little bit. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I wanted, like, I didn't really know what I was doing. Like, I knew I wanted to pursue art. I knew I wanted to make comics and film and TV and, and that kind of work. But I didn't really know how to, like, make that jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, the Marine Corps, I'll do that. I go to Iraq. Why not? It's only four years. I'll be 23 when I get out. Like, <laughs> There you go. Hey, I'm indestructible. Why not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've, I've been drawing my whole life, though. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, I kept... I tried to keep it up while I was in the Marine Corps. I probably didn't get as much done as I probably wanted to, but um, yeah. And then in uh, 2010, so I started Terminal Lance. Um, I was still active duty. Well, one one more question though about comics and drawing before in your early. I assume you were a big comics reader. Actually, no, no, really. no. <laughs> you, you know, you're a, you're a real unicorn. Okay, what what what? <laughs> so you you weren't interested in comics, but you were interested in reading comics, but you were interested in making comics. Yeah, you know, I feel like interesting. Uh, that's that's sort of me. I don't know. I, I'm more <laughs> about practicing art than I am about studying it. Interesting. And so like, All right. <laughs> for a guy with a major book deal, I don't read a whole lot of books. I'm, and uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you well, you need you can do a book uh, workshop after this. Um, <laughs> so actually, I mean, I, to say that I don't read comics is is not 100 percent accurate. I mean, I I was I read some comics uh, before joining the Marine Corps. Um, I am a big Captain America fan. Okay, and, there we uh, go. I did read. Um, Dark Horse's uh, Conan the Barbarian sure. Okay. sure. huge Conan the Barbarian fan. Okay, uh, a, a, a classic. Yeah, and <laughs> one, of, one of the things for me that with comics that's hard for me, though, is I feel like when I'm reading a comic, if I don't like the artwork, because I am an artist, if I don't like the artwork, it's impossible for me to enjoy it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I think that's there's a lot of fans that would agree with you on that. that you know, in some ways, the art... I mean, the art can can get you through a bad book, and it can, uh, you know, and it can make a great book even greater. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know a lot of comics fans, I think, would agree with you on that. So, okay, so you 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 left the military in 2010, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So go from there. So. Uh, so well, so I was still active duty actually mm-hmm. when I started Terminal Lance, um, and that was in January 2010. Uh, I was still in Hawaii. Um, yeah, I had a few months left in the Marine Corps and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going out anyway. Like, what are they going to do? And in Hawaii is where, I mean, uh, is, uh, I guess obviously there's American military, a Marine Corps base there, but that's also the opening scenes, if I'm not mistaken, of the white donkey, because that's where you train there. Yeah. So, uh, there's in, in the book. So, I mean, the book is loosely based on my own, uh, Mm -hmm. Experience in the Marine Corps. So Abe is with Third Battalion, Third Marines uh, in Hawaii, which is their their station. Okay. They're permanently stationed in Hawaii, so that's okay. that's their home of residence. There's actually a military base for every branch in Hawaii. There's Pearl uh, Harbor, okay. uh, uh, Hickam Air Force Base, and Schofield Army ba- uh, Base, and Marine Corps Base Hawaii. Uh, there's actually two Marine Corps bases in Camp no. Smith. I think is the other one, but. Um, so anyway, yeah. So in the beginning of the book, they're they're in Hawaii, and it's you know we go on field ops in Hawaii all the time, and and uh, so it's it's just that infantry kind of experience in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so I was there. Uh, I started Terminal Lance in January, and then I got out of the Marine Corps in. Or I left Hawaii in April, um, and uh, I went to. I moved to San Francisco, the Bay. Mm-hmm. Well, not San Francisco, but the Bay Area, uh, East Bay. Um, I went to the California College of Arts in mm-hmm. Oakland. 
and uh, got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in Animation. All right, cool. I'm, I'm going to jump in here a minute because I, I don't want our listeners to get confused. Um, so um, you, there are two, there are there are kind of two things we're talking about here, two works, um, but they, it's I, I don't mean to artificially separate them, but there is um, uh, Terminal Lance, which I, if I'm not mistaken, that's the web comic that yes. that you 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 started um, uh, started at, uh, earlier. Um, the two central characters, two central characters that figure in both works, uh, the White Donkey, which is the graphic novel and the print graphic novel now that we have here, and that's Abe, and then the other guy is Garcia, his buddy. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, so th- they are, yeah. So they are the two central protagonists of Terminal Lance, the web comic, um, and the White Donkey was like, it's sort of an alternate universe mm-hmm. spinoff. Of- yes. Terminal Lance. Yeah. Um, so it's in the it's the Marine Corps. It's the same characters, um, but it's a totally different non and a different sensibility. I mean, Terminal Lance is really hilarious. I mean, it's a funny life, you know, life in the military, life in the Marines, and right. uh, and it's the White Donkey is very similar. But it's but you, uh, if I may, if I may describe it, I mean, you have a uh, the the humor is there and the the relationships are there. But um, there's certainly a mission, if I'm, it seems to me, to to really bring life in the Marine Corps to life and the issues around Marines. Um, but using all of the stuff that that you use in um, in Lance Terminal is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, you know, I think that what makes uh, you know I, for people that like you know they're not sure if they want to read the White Donkey because it is kind of different than the webcomic i would argue that the two actually have a lot more in common than it might seem because uh-huh. i think that at the end of the day the sort of core objective or uh you know mission of terminal lance is to sort of accurately and comically portray uh the core experience no pun intended of joint of the marine corps <laughs> okay. uh <laughs> And um, I think that the White Donkey also is about that, too. It's about mm-hmm. the experience of the Marine Corps. It's about the experience of going to Iraq and coming home uh, and addressing issues that veterans face. And I think that the webcomic has also done that, too. I mean, in the mm-hmm. webcomic, I also do tackle issues for veterans um, in certain strips. And I try to do it with a laugh because I feel like, you know, if you can make people laugh, it's a lot easier to sure. sell your point. Because sure. uh, if people enjoy what you're saying... You know, even if they disagree with you, they still enjoy it. And they go, oh, you know more. what? I can see it. Yeah. Um, but um, um, but it's you know, but it's a little more. But it, it's a, it's a comic strip. I mean, in that sense, I mean, calling it a webcomic, but it's a comic. So there are short takes on many kinds of issues. Yes. So I mean, yeah, and it is. You know, it's a different subject twice a week. So I mean, yeah. it's it's a totally different. Each comic strip has a point to it. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, how I write the joke even is like, what's my, the first thing I do is I say, what's the point? Like, what is the point of the strip? Like, what am I saying here? And then I think of the punchline and then I sort of write the comic into that. Um, and, uh, the white donkey was the same way. I wrote the ending first and I, I was like, this is the point of this book. Uh, what am I saying? And, and how do I get there? Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of how I approach writing the white donkey as well. It's, it's yeah, it's a, there's a lot more similarities, I think, than it might seem. Well, we're going to – I'm going to – excuse me. I'm going to jump back and forth between Terminal Lance and the White Donkey um, because, I mean, in between uh, – there's so much around both of these things that you've created. Um, I mean, Terminal Lance has become really one of the – I mean, probably one of the biggest military-oriented web comics, you know, online. I mean, it gets a hu- it has a huge audience. Uh, on top of all that – you were able to use your online audience uh, to launch a Kickstarter campaign and raise one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars. <laughs> um, so tell us more about that because the little brown version is there's the hardcover version uh, of the uh, white donkey that you published actually through Kickstarter. Is yes, that correct? So, yeah. Yes. Um, so in two thousand thirteen. Um, so I, I had wanted to do this book for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I actually started writing this book in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when it first came to me and I was like, this is something I want to make. This is a story that's very personal to me and I want to do it. Um, so for years, the story is just sort of like baked in my head. I was, you know, really figuring it out, figuring out the story, how I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So in 2013, <clears throat> sorry, I don't know if I just cut out for a sec there. Yeah, it's good. Um, so in 2013, um, I did the Kickstarter because I, I had graduated school and um, I, I had time and I was like, you know what, I want to lock myself into something uh, that I know you know, will, will be a good like year or two of my life that I could just sort of like dedicate to this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, I don't think it would have gotten ever done if I couldn't have done it full time, yeah. uh, for the amount of time that I had to work on it. But, um, yeah, so I, I did the Kickstarter in 2013. I was like, I want to make this book. I, I know I can make a good graphic novel. I just like, I just need the money and the time, uh, to do, I mean, the money buys me time. That's essentially what it sure, is. Sure, And, um, did you think you would raise that much money? You know, I, I had two predictions going into the Kickstarter. I had my first prediction was that it was going to fail horribly. <laughs> so only only one of two things could have possibly one of two things could have possibly happened with this Kickstarter. It was either going to fail horribly, and I was going to look like an ass, or no pun intended there either. Yeah. Um, or it was going to look so like a white well. donkey going. <laughs> yeah. Or it was going to do so well, I would have no idea what to do with myself. And, you know, luckily it happened to be the latter. It was the latter, yeah. Um, so the we raised the – I asked for 20000 and we raised that in 13 hours. Uh, wow. Um, the Kickstarter went on for another 30 days. So <laughs> I ended up doing 162 um, by the Kickstarter count. But when you actually break down the, the, the numbers and the taxes and everything, like it's a totally – it's not. It, it's not as much as it sounds when you sort of. <laughs> We're still impressed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, uh, I mean, Terminal Lance. Uh, well, maybe you might want to explain Terminal Lance because that's also a. Um, isn't that a, a a military jargon? Yeah. So Terminal Lance itself uh, is a term in the Marine Corps that simply means a lance corporal getting out of the Marine Corps as a lance corporal. Okay. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. So, right. yeah. <laughs> so lance corporal is, is uh, as far as enlisted ranks go, it's an E3. So it's a third rank in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very low rank. And ideally, in a normal situation, you would, uh, by the time you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that doesn't always happen. And uh, you end up getting out of the Marine Corps as a lance corporal, which would make you a terminal lance. I see. <laughs> uh, so generally, it's not a good thing to be a terminal lance. Like it's sort of it's synonymous with like a shit bag or someone that <laughs> that dropped their pack, someone that doesn't care. Like uh, that's sort of what terminal lance means. Well, I wanna I wanna just uh, I wanna just wanna go over some of the stuff in the webcomic, and then I want to segue into the book, because they're, I mean, uh, I agree, with the, they're, obviously they're, they're both use the same material, I, I would say towards a little bit different end in in White Donkey, but I think White Donkey is just meant to be more of a of a classic novel, uh, even though it's it's issue-oriented, I mean, it's really, to me, about, you know, these these rich characters kind of dealing with their emotional lives, uh, uh, you know, terminal. You know, uh, uh, terminal Lance has that too, but you know, it's usually followed by a punchline. So, <laughs> but I'm really interested because, it, it, I mean, yeah, every strip you do has a sort of a point to it and a little, little uh, headline, and you also contribute a, a little short essay that kind of like explains to, I guess, those of us who are not in the military or in the Marines, uh, you know, kind of what's going on. But you know, there's stuff, for instance, about. Um, uh, obviously, your daily lives, dealing with um, you know superiors. Uh, I'm a, I want to read some stuff to you um, uh, that I just found hilarious, like um, losing gear. Uh, you had you had something. I mean, did this go on? I mean, didn't there, uh, people lose everything? <laughs> Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. That's was that the the one thief in the Marine Corps. They say there's only one thief in the Marine Corps, and everybody else is just trying to get their shit back. No, no, <laughs> no I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a one cartoon about. Uh, it was about, um, uh, I should say, or maybe it was a boot. That's another jargon there. Who yeah. each panel he seemed to have less and less stuff oh, on. Oh yeah, he's losing his shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Boots lose things all the time. They just, they can't keep. It's, it's called gear accountability in the Marine Corps. Uh, okay, all right. Always, they always seem to lose stuff, and you're like, "How did you lose that?" And you, you look away for one second. And now he's lost all of his clothes, and he's all like, "I don't know, Lance Corporal." <laughs> um, uh, I mean, we've yeah. all um, we, we've all heard about you know uh, you know the how 
domineering the sergeants are in the Marine Corps. But um, there's a great strip you have about basically giving a staff sergeant need a staff sergeant needing a big hug. And, uh, you you know, this tough sergeant breaks down, I guess. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I actually I tried to do that in real life one time. I tried to. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? You stood up in a meeting and just said, "Come here." <laughs> that, I was uh, my my company first sergeant. We were out in the field, and he was he was there, and my friends were next to me, and they're like, "I dare you to go give first sergeant a hug." <laughs> he looks like he could use a hug. And I was like, "Okay," so I go up to him and I try to give him a hug, and he gets in this like McMath pose. He, no. he gets a basic warrior stance. He's like, "Get away from me!" <laughs> He's ready to fight me. I love it. Uh, let me see. Um... Women, women. Yes. There's a great strip you have. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's there are you know issues around you know uh, equality and women in the Marines in particular. But uh, there's one where you have the women dress blues are the same as the men, or they're experimenting with it. Yeah. And then it was something about a weird boner over a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was about uh, it's about having the um plus it's about having the. Uh, so the, the the issue was that the Marine Corps uniforms were becoming unisex, and so they're mm-hmm. they're experimenting with that. They're using the same hat for women now instead of the same uh, instead of a different one that yeah. they were currently using. And uh, so the the point of the strip was if you wanted true equality, you really should treat the women exactly the same, which yeah. is to say they should have to get the same haircut <laughs> as the men, which is short and you know it's a fade. And uh, so she has the haircut. And then Abe's like, "Wow, I have the weirdest boner right now." <laughs> and I think you said in your essay that you know this is a little weird because you know I kind of like chicks with short haircuts. <laughs> hey, I don't mind it. You know, there you it, go. It, it works. Some women can really pull it off. <laughs> um, well, here's now you know, and now another thing. I, I, I want to toss out some of the uh, uh, marine jargon, and maybe you can break it down. Um, what's a pog? <laughs> pogue. 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 Excuse me. There you go. There you go. What do I know? Uh, so a pogue, you know, it's it's an actual word, and only pogues will argue this. But so it's an actual word, but then the infantry sort of took that word and turned it into an acronym. So uh, P-O-G um, stands for personnel other than grunt, and a grunt in the Marine Corps is anybody that's in the O three field. So it's anybody that's in the infantry field. Such um, as so anybody, yourself. yes. So <laughs> anybody outside of that is then a pogue. And, you know, there's there's cool pogue jobs and there's there's like really pogue jobs like working in an office, admin, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, uh, and one of the things and one other thing here, we're going to segue over to White Donkey. Uh, I mean, um, Lance Terminal is I mean, Terminal Lance is funny, uh, but you, but you deal with serious things in it, too. And in one strip, you talk about. Um, how civilians react to, you know, some tragic news about, say, a, uh, an Iraq veteran killing people, you know, and, you know, on the one hand, uh, is it PTSD or is it a big dumbass? Yeah. I mean, I thought that was a really interesting, like, take on how a Marine might see the same news and how a civilian might see it. Yeah, you know, I personally just, you know, in general, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about PTSD. I think that uh, there's an unfortunate stereotype for veterans specifically that have mm-hmm. deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan or Vietnam or, you know, have, go back as far as you want. But, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder does not lead to violence or suicide. Post-traumatic stress disorder is um, a symptomatic disorder that, you know, mm-hmm. is, is can go away. It's treatable. It's, it's you know, it's a very real uh, response, a normal response even to trauma. Whereas uh, usually when somebody goes on a shooting spree or commits suicide or something like that, that's a symptom of a different disorder such as psychosis or depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so PTSD is actually a very you know, uh, misunderstood topic, I think, in the military. I mean, just in, in you know, even Marines and, and military make the mistake of sure. mixing it up too. But um, you know, I, I think a lot of people need more information on PTSD and how it works and you know, not blame that not blame these experiences for things like shooting rampages and, and whatever else. Sure. Um, well, let's say, let's say segue to the, to the white donkey. Um, and, um, now you published one version, obviously through Kickstarter. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, the little Brown deal. I mean, did you have an agent? Um, I mean, this is a, a handsome, um, 
uh, hardcover version. And in fact, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I originally read this in the form of a galley, but the artwork seems even even more improved since from what I read in the gallery. Did Were there more changes made? Did, was it an earlier version or am I just imagining it? Uh, for full disclosure, I'm not sure what a galley is. <laughs> galley is like just the 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 uh, early. They usually they come up with a quick paperback version to send out to book reviewers. Oh, okay. Before the finish, and sometimes it's like not on as good a paper or mm-hmm. you know something like that. I mean, it's usually very close to the finish finished copy, but. Um, um, I would say probably, uh, there were no changes between that and yeah, the finished okay. one just because uh, there was no time for that. Yeah. <laughs> and the book was already done anyway. So Little Brown basically took it and reprinted it in hardcover. Oh, um, so uh, there actually were a couple of corrections. There were some spelling yeah. errors in the original. Well, I think the printing was definitely much better because it's a much richer color uh, throughout the book uh, in this kind of duotone thing that, it, that you do in here. Yeah. Um, so the book came out on February 1st, and that was my self-published – uh, Kickstarter version, which mm-hmm. was paid for with the Kickstarter money that mm-hmm. we raised for it and everything. Um, and it sold out on Amazon in 36 hours, and uh-huh. that was uh, 3,000 copies. So, I, I mean, like, bet. as soon as it came out, it was just like, poof, it was gone. And, uh, <laughs> which was great. You know, it was like, oh my God, this is great. People loved it. Um, and I was, you know, really humbled and, and happy about that. And um, literally, I think about 48 hours later, uh, I got an email from John Parsley over Little Brown. <laughs> He's uh-huh. like, you know, oh my God, love your book. Like, we should talk about this. Um, and I had an agent, uh, my who's current still my agent. She's my agent. Uh, she was shopping the book around for months, like before this had happened, like before the book had come out. I had a finished version. I sent it to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a PDF, and she was shopping it around to publishers, and nobody was interested. Um, because they're like, oh, graphic novels don't do well, you know, whatever. And we even sent it to comic publishers like Image and, yeah. uh, you know, places that you would think would be interested in it. And uh, nobody got back to us. And then as soon as the book came out and they saw how well it was doing, yeah. they were like, oh, my God. Like, what? <laughs> well, the <laughs> magic of the marketplace, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So um, pretty much immediately after the book came out, I got a lot of offers from publishers. And then my agent uh, – handle that so right. All right. great well it, it, it's it's a fabulous looking book but let's talk about the book some more um uh i mean you, you you've described it a little bit um i mean it opens you know uh with abe and garcia um you know in training maybe you can tell us a little bit more because they're two contrasting personalities and in, in some ways maybe you could say very different reasons for being in the marine corps yeah you know i feel like uh abe Abe and Garcia, bless you. Uh, Abe and Garcia are. Uh, I apologize. I'm getting over a cold. I've been sucking on cough drops trying to avoid that. Oh. <laughs> no worries. Um, so, Abe and Garcia are actually, uh, and it sounds weird to say this, but they're sort of like two different versions of myself, really. Uh, oh, it's almost like my internal monologue and uh, split into two different people. And I am half Mexican and half Jewish. And so Garcia really is like my Mexican half. Okay, and interesting. Yeah. Dave is, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my non-Mexican half. And uh, so to me, like, it's a, they're almost like two voices in my own head. Uh-huh. Like, you know, Abe is bitching about everything. You know, it's just yeah. like, this sucks. I hate this place, whatever. And Garcia has always been kind of like the voice of reason for him. It's like, well, you know, you're here for a reason. You sign the contract, nothing yeah. you can do about it, stop your bitching, like whatever. So they're really like two different halves of myself. And mm-hmm. I feel like um, uh, I actually developed – so Abe and Garcia come – I mean like people who have been following Terminal Lines for a long time, they know that Abe and Garcia were introduced uh, in 2010. Mm-hmm. But I actually wrote Garcia and Abe as characters for the White Donkey. Uh-huh. Um, so I knew that they were going to be in the White Donkey. And so then I introduced them into the webcomic. So that people could get used to these characters for a while, because I didn't know how long it was going to take me to make this book. Um, it's a great idea. Uh, yeah, it ended up working out, and then yeah. I threw them <laughs> yeah. in the book as uh, the two main characters, and then now people have these very personal relationships with these characters before they even read the book. Um, and then you know, throughout the book, uh, so I mean, if I were to, to quickly describe the book, the plot anyway, um, you know, the, the elevator pitch of it is simply it's Abe's. The story of Abe, a United States Marine, and his surreal journey to Iraq and yeah. the troubles that he faces when he comes home. Yeah. Um, um, 
Well, yeah, let me, I'm going to jump around. So excuse me, I'm not going in any kind of coherent order, but <laughs> uh, because there's so many uh, issues that uh, you, you depict so vividly in the book. But uh, certainly one thing that comes out of the book is the, is, uh, the distance or the awkward space between civilians and Marines. Um, yeah. Um, well, on trips back home um, with girlfriends. Yeah. Um, I wanted to um, I wanted to illustrate that specifically because I feel like uh, showing the awkwardness of it, showing why a veteran might feel you know uncomfortable with questions like "Did you kill anybody?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like showing that, um, especially to civilian readers, they they can sort of gain an understanding of like why you know, why veterans might seem sort of distant, why veterans sort of, there is this sort of divide between veterans mm-hmm. and civilians. Uh, and with the, you know, hope that maybe they read it and go, oh, that's, you know, I get it now. Maybe I can stop, you know, asking these sort of questions or maybe I can sort of reapproach my mindset on why veterans are the way they are. Um, or even but yeah. the, even the uh, thank you for your service. I mean, the, the character at one point says, well, I haven't done anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, yeah. position um i think to be thanked for your service especially because you don't know what that person has done you don't know um you know there's this sort of blind gratitude and it's appreciated i mean of course mm-hmm. uh, at the same time if you um you haven't done anything and if you feel like pressured it, it sort of adds to the pressure that you feel like you should be doing something really heroic um and i think that's an issue that veterans face or, mm-hmm. or deal with uh, more than they even are willing to talk about um, in the book. I wanted to kind of talk about that as well. Now, the the characters, they go through training and hijinks. I mean, uh, uh, the white donkey is, is serious, but it's it's funny too. Uh, and they go yeah. through many of the same experiences that you depict in uh, Terminal Lance. Yeah, um, you know, humor, um, I think any good drama has, has good humor too. I, I feel like... Uh, it's really hard for me to write anything and not put some humor in it because I, I just, you know, I, I love mm-hmm. humor. I, I, I love writing humor. I love writing comedy. Um, and there's just so much funny stuff to depict out of the Marine Corps. You know, clearly I've done over 800 comic strips now. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, you, you, you don't seem to be running out of material. Um, but the uh, uh, Abe and, and Garcia, they, they end up in, in Iraq uh, at um, Camp Fallujah. Yes, and um, they're they're going out on missions, and um, a, an officer says, you know, some of you will not make it home, and we go from there, and then you kind of show us the world of, you know, snipers and uh, IEDs and uh, and op temp and dwell ops and <laughs> break that down for me. Um, well, so that line actually, uh, some of you won't make it home. So, uh, when I got to, that's pretty much taken from my real deployment. When I got to Iraq the first time, uh, my company commander gave us a brief and he, he told us that he's like, look to your left and right, you know, look at these men, these, you, some of you might not make it home. Like really, but this is a reality of where we are right now in Fallujah. Um, and it's a really, uh, sinking reality when you, when you're there and you're like, wow, that's. That's not good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that was something that I wanted to put in there. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, going into Iraq, um, you know, there's so much buildup to Iraq. And just like in real life, like you, you're thinking about it all the time before you get there. It's like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to Iraq. This is Iraq. We're here. Oh, we're in Iraq. We're here now. And then you think it's going to be like crazy and action packed, and then it's like really not. And you're like, okay, this is—I don't know what this is now. Um, so what's an what's an op temp? Uh, so op temp is simply the uh, the sort of general. It's it's the temperature of operations, and so it's sort of the vibe. It's like what oh, if you I have see. a I if see. you have a high op temp, it means that you're there's just stuff going on. There's like people dying, people are shooting at you. There's IEDs. If you have a low op temp, it just means that you're you know there's not much going on right now. Okay. And what's a dwell op? So dwell op, uh, my company was doing dwell ops uh, while we were in Iraq the first time, and that is basically a platoon will go and take over a house, and then they'll basically run foot patrols out of that house for you know, a week or however long they're going to be there. Um, so you're dwelling in the, in the population. You're like 
out in the wire, you're outside the wire, um, inside the AO for an extended period of time, whether it's like five, six days. So you're not operating out of Camp Fallujah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the book, that's where we first, uh, encounter, uh, uh, an MRAP. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, Camp Fallujah. So they get back to Camp Fallujah and mm-hmm. they see the MRAP and they're like, what is this monstrosity? And, um, that was actually, uh, I wanted to keep it sort of authentic to my experience and, and we didn't get our MRAP until halfway through my deployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started with Humvees and then the MRAP sort of was like brand new and mm-hmm. it just came out. The Marine Corps was just getting a whole bunch of them. Um, so we got ours and then that became our vehicle, uh, cause I was, I was in the lead vehicle too. And, um, yeah, so we, we got the MRAP, and it was also it's a good opportunity as a storytelling device to explain what an MRAP is, because people reading it might not be familiar with it, sure. so you get mm. this opportunity to, to sort of like talk about it and be like, this is an MRAP, this is what it does, you know. And it's also another one of these, I mean, it seems that there's a lot of times in the military where you're sort of just stuck in some little space with one or two other people, <laughs> and the conversation flows. It's true. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the reasons that Marines and other service members, you know, are so close with each other is because you get stuck in these stupid situations where it's just you and another guy and you just talk about literally anything, you know. And these are hyper masculine uh, conversations, generally you, speaking. You know, you'd be surprised how deep things can get when <laughs> two guys are alone yeah, and, okay. <laughs> and they're discussing you know their life experiences and, and the meaning of it all, yeah. or or including the Jack Shack. The Jack Shack, uh, yeah. I don't know if the Jack Shack is actually in the book. No, I is I didn't. You know what? That's in um, that's in Terminal Lance, if I'm not mistaken. That's true. Yes, that's in Terminal Lance. We'll just we'll let the fans look that up for themselves. Yeah. Um, but there was an there's another experience in um in uh White Donkey. Well, uh, the White Donkey. I mean, that's where we first see it. Yeah, uh, um, um, on one of these um, uh, dwell ops, if I'm not misusing the term. Um, uh, I, do you want to talk about that? I mean, it's obviously a powerful symbol in the book, but I don't. I, do you want to talk more about it? Or yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, go for it. Uh, I will full for full disclosure. I will never ever publicly reveal what the actual meaning behind the white donkey okay, is. There you go. But uh, with that said, what I do find really interesting about the book, and this is just sort of a side note, as the author is. Um, Every time someone reads the book that I, that's close to me, that's personal, and, and like I always ask them, "What did you think the donkey meant?" <laughs> and nobody knows, and everybody, pretty much everybody who I talk to about the book, uh, they never, um, they they they'll talk to me about the book, and I notice they never mention the donkey because the donkey is, as I like to describe it, the single most and least important part of the book. Oh, well, that's um, interesting. And uh, that was totally by design; it was completely intentional. Well, but can yeah, you tell so, you what I thought of it. Absolutely, I'd love to hear it. Uh, you know, it, 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 kind of what you were saying. It was it, it, to me. It it, it kind of represented both things. It seemed to me kind of a a, a profound um, uh, sort of symbol of the seriousness and the absurdity uh, of the situation that the Marine found himself in. This mm-hmm. huge, you know, this powerful um, uh, convoy. Uh, stops in the middle of the road for this uh, heavily armed, and they stop for this donkey. <laughs> and I yeah. mean, and you know, somebody has to get out and just sort of shoo him away, mm-hmm. um, so that the mighty American military can go on its way. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, it, it, the donkey also kind of ushered you into a world of of, of deep consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the donkey. Um... You know, it plagued Abe throughout the rest of the yeah. book. I mean, after he sees it that first time, it just it keeps coming back. And it, it always seems to be there during the worst times. Like it, anytime something terrible happens, the white donkey is there. Yeah. And um, so he's trying to find meaning in this donkey, too. It's just like it keeps coming back. Uh, and, but then I could ask you a question, too, sure. as somebody who read the book. Do you think the white donkey was real? Because um, Abe's the only one that sees it after the first encounter. Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure. I mean, I uh, that's a good point. I don't know. Now I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was it was real to Abe. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go with that. <laughs> um, so the white donkey in real life happened pretty much exactly like it happened uh, during his first encounter with it. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so I, those real life Iraq, I was, uh, this was one of my first patrols, just like Abe. And I was sitting in Vic 2, actually, though, so I was in the second vehicle. And um, we were traveling down Zidon Road, just like in the book. And uh, I remember being absolutely terrified because <laughs> it was one of, my, one of my first patrols. And, and hey, you know, the thing is, like, before you, you get to... <laughs> Before you get to Iraq, they train you, you know, they drill it into your head, look out for anything suspicious in the road, anything could be an IED, anything could blow up and you'll die. And you're like, oh shit. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what they don't tell you is that there's trash and craters and shit in the road all over the place. And it's a third world country. There's nothing you can do about that. So <laughs> I'm like freaking out. I'm like in the backseat. I'm not like not visibly freaking out, but in my sure, mind, it's yeah, like, sure. this was the worst idea I've ever had in my so life. Everything well, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. And I, I was pretty resigned to the fact that I was going to die yeah, today. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm dying today. Like, this is terrible. Why? <laughs> Why did I do this? Um, and then all of a sudden the convoy just stops. Uh, and you know, everybody's like, what's going on? And my uh, platoon commander gets on the, the radio. He's in the front seat. Um, and he calls up to Vic One. He's like, "Hey, Vic One, this is Vic Two. Why do we stop?" And Albrecht, who is in Vic One, he gets on the radio and uh, he replies, "There's a donkey in the road." And I remember hearing that over the radio, and I'm just like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, I get out of the vehicle because uh, when you're at it, when you're when you halt in a convoy, the dismounts, and I was a dismount, uh, has to get out and provide security. So I get out. <clears throat> And I look in the front of the convoy, and there's literally this donkey um, in front of the, the the convoy. And what I thought was really weird about it was that it wasn't uh, it wasn't crossing the road, and it wasn't just stuck there. It wasn't just standing there like an idiot. It was dead center in the road, just like in the middle of it, with no room to go around on either side. And it was leading us. It was going in the same direction that we were. And it, it was this weird moment. It just somehow, like, I don't know if it was, it was like 130 degrees outside. Maybe I was having some sort of heat, <laughs> uh, you know, vision or something. But that image just, like, burned into my mind. And, for I mean, for one, I'd never seen a white donkey before. I'd, you know, I'd seen donkeys Me before, neither. but never a white. Um, they're apparently pretty common in the Middle East. Uh, but I, I've never seen one before, and I still have never seen another one. Um, and uh, so, the, you know, the first off, the donkey was white. And second, like this, this idea that, you know, five vehicles, 23 Marines loaded to the teeth with every weapon and, and yeah. um, you know, grenades, machine guns, you know, and all the power and might of the United States military yeah, it's like... just brought to a halt by this benign animal, this ass yeah. of an animal. Uh, <laughs> and I think, you know, made us all look like asses yeah. on some level. Um, yeah, so in real life, though, you know, we shoot the donkey off the road, and then it just sort of yeah. wandered off to the side, and we drove past it, and I never saw it again, which is really weird because it, we drove by that same place every day, and, and I never saw the yeah. white donkey again, and it's like, where, where would it have gone? I don't know. Well, <laughs> um, truly a mystic and ethereal symbol uh, for your book, without a doubt. Yeah, and so I, I wanted to, um, much like in real life, I mean, that donkey plagued my mind, too, in some way. It was just like, why? I can't stop thinking about this donkey. <laughs> uh, and so that really became the basis of the, the foundation uh, of the whole graphic novel at a certain point. I actually, you know, um, I made the decision to call the book The White Donkey uh, pretty late in the game, actually. So I, yeah. I knew I wanted that scene in there, and I knew I wanted the donkey sort of like, as a major theme of the book, but I didn't think I was actually going to call the book the white donkey. I was like, it's going to be terminal length. It's a graphic novel or, or, you know, something else. But then I was like, no, you know what? Like if, if I don't call the book, the white donkey, no one's going to pay attention to the white donkey and it's not going to mean anything. So the fact that it's on the cover of the book, it's the title of the book, you see the donkey and you're like, what does it mean? You know, what is it? Why is it here? What is it doing? Um, and so that was really important, uh, just sort of how the reader interprets that, uh, animal. Well, look, we, we're, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you a couple more questions real quick. Um, uh, well, I, you know, like I said, the, the book deals with a lot of things, but it, it also does deal with PTSD. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but, you know, it, it, your book tries to look at the, the, the issues that face Marines. Yeah, um, you know, without giving anything away, I mean, I wanted to tell a story uh, – 
you know, there, there's a big suicide epidemic in the military mm -hmm. uh, community. I think um, veterans and active duty military are um, have the highest suicide rates yeah. out of anybody in the United, out of any demographic in the United States, which is a really weird thing to own. Like, why why is that? The, the reality for veterans. Um, and so I wanted to really explore that idea of how uh, a veteran comes to that point of putting a gun to his head. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, that's the story I wanted to tell. That was the, really the point of the book. And so um, that is uh, where I went with it. And so when Abe comes home, um, I wanted to really illustrate the reality that so many veterans do face of, of, of suffering through uh, so much loss and regret and and um, really being honest about it and really putting it out there in a real way that doesn't over dramatize it mm -hmm. but also um, is honest about the experience uh, and I, I feel like no Hollywood adaptation or, or like version of this has really gotten it right I feel like you know it, it's so subtle and PTSD is such a broad term too I would actually argue that Abe doesn't really suffer that much from PTSD as much as he does from depression mm -hmm. which he continues to spiral into as he keeps drinking mm -hmm. um, so yeah I don't, I don't well, know if that answers the question <laughs> it, well it does indeed it does indeed well it, 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 you really have offered us a really vivid window into into the Marine Corps and military life um, and now you you're you're an animator as well so um, you know, you've got a web comic. You've got an extraordinary new graphic, hardcover graphic novel now. Can, can we expect to see, um, you know, um, uh, t uh, Terminal Lance as as an animated film at some point down the road? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's right. <laughs> that's an easy enough answer there, that's for sure. Um, um, yeah. Great. Well, we'll we'll save that for another time. We'll have to do another interview with you. Um, are you going to be doing publicity stuff around the book for Little Brown or uh, uh, yeah bookstore uh, stuff? Yeah. So we we're having our official launch party on uh, April thirtieth in mm -hmm. Santa Monica at Heidi Ho Comics. I think okay. it's seven p.m. So okay. if you're in Santa Monica, please come by. Check it out. Cool. Are you going to be I'll on be the East Coast anytime? Um. You know, I don't. No. Well, actually, I, I am going to be there in September in Brooklyn. Brooklyn Book Festival? Yes. Festival. Good, good. I'm involved with that festival, so I had heard some talk that you might be there, too. So, oh, okay. Yeah, the Brooklyn Book Festival is an awesome book festival. Um, they have they, uh, a lot of graphic novel authors as well as prose book authors. Uh, and, of course, it's in you know New York, New York, uh, you know Brooklyn, New York, so yeah. you, know, you, you can't go wrong. I've never been to New York, so I'm looking Now's forward to it. Now's the time. So hopefully I'll get a chance to meet you. Um, so look, uh, congratulations on publishing the book. Uh, it's really extraordinary. Um, it, it really is uh, great for you know just bringing the military home to other uh, uh, veterans and Marines as well as to civilians like me. So, uh, Max, look, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you.